0: I want to speak this morning about being strong, being strong. Um, There's a guy by the name of Eddie Hall, who comes from Stoke-on-Trent, where Janice was born and grew up. And in 2017, he won the World's Strongest Man. Um, And until just recently, he was the holder of the title of the deadlift and he lifted 500 kilos, which is nearly 79 stone. Uh, In everyday language, that is equivalent to an adult dromedary camel, uh, a concert grand piano, a mini caravan, or a newborn gray whale, an adult horse, or a Fiat 500. I didn't know the Fiat 500 was 500 cc, but also 500 kilograms in weight. So this crazy guy lifted the equivalent of those sort of uh, objects or creatures. He's just been beaten by one kilogram, believe it or not. Somebody else took the title from him. I want you just to think for a moment back to a time when you took on a new job. Think of the very first day you started that job How did you feel? Um, Let's just shout out some of the emotions that you felt, if you can remember. The first day of a new job, what were some of the emotions some of you felt?
1: Nervous.
0: (laughs) Nervous, yeah. Excited. Anxious, excited. Apprehensive. Apprehensive.
1: Intimidated.
0: Intimidated, yes. That's interesting, yeah. Nobody has said strong and courageous. <laughs> That's what I want us to think about this morning. Uh, Judy read it from the scriptures, Vic uh, underlined it for us. Uh, I want us to think about Joshua, because when Joshua took on a new job to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, which was 40 years after Moses had led them out of their slavery in Egypt. Moses had died, and now this new job fell to Joshua. Now, during the 40 years that Moses had led the people of Israel, it had been a pretty thankless task because he led something like one and a half million people, and often they were moaning, they were complaining, They were groaning, they were rebelling, and frequently they were wishing that they were back in slavery in Egypt. Some people are just always ungrateful. Now Joshua takes on this role of leading the next generation, and in doing so, seven times he is commanded to be strong and courageous. Six times it's personally spoken to him, and then a seventh time it's corporately spoken to all of the people of Israel, which, of course, includes Joshua. Why is Joshua, this is a question I've been toying, why was Joshua commanded to be strong and courageous when he was already a strong and courageous man? Because a number of years before, in Exodus chapter 17, he had defeated the Amalekites in a battle. And the Bible says that Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So this guy was already strong and courageous. He was an accomplished warrior. He wasn't the kind of guy who would be timid and shy and who would run away. So I asked myself the question, why is it that seven times this statement is given to him, be strong and courageous? Well, anything that has to be learned is mastered by repetition. How many of you remember your times tables? What are, what are eight eights?
1: Sixty
0: four. Somebody next to me says 64. Yes. What are twelves? Oh, dear. 132. Oh, well done. (laughs) Okay, we won't go any further. But most of us will have learned our times table by rote. And we had those dreaded moments in class when the teacher would get you to stand up and sometimes stand on your chair and say your five times table. Some of you might remember those. I'm sure teachers aren't that cruel nowadays. But um, we learned it by rote. And as you kept saying it, it stuck in. I remember learning piano as a boy and I dreaded my scales. And the teacher (laughs) drummed it into me. And do you know today, I can play nearly every major and minor scale on the piano. Not that I do it very often, but they're there. They're stuck in my mind. I know where they are on the keyboard because I learned them by rote. Learning a language, you learn it by rote. Repetition reinforces learning. Repeating something has significance. Uh, According to literaryterms.net, it says this, the power of repetition is in its simplicity. A message heard repeatedly is more likely to stay in your mind. The more senses a concept touches and times it is heard, the more likely your team will hear your message and help deliver the results that you desire. Okay, advertising uses it. Come on, let's test you out. What is the slogan for Nike? No way. No idea. Sorry, Paul. Sorry.
1: It's not no idea. let <laughs> do it. Let's do it. Just do it,
0: yes. 10 <laughs> points to Jocelyn. Three words. Okay. They what they is the, it. They can't answer. They're what is this? What is the slogan for Sky?
1: Believe <coughs> them better. Yes,
0: <laughs> she knows them. At the last general election, what was Boris Johnson's slogan about Brexit? Stronger together.
1: Just do it.
0: Build back better. Get Brexit done. <laughs> they use it in advertising all the time. Three words. Keep repeating it and you learn it. It goes in. We learn by repetition. In Joshua chapter one, Joshua is commissioned to take on this new job. And Leah is going to read the first um, Eight verses I think from Joshua chapter one so let's just listen as Leah reads this to us Verse um, nine verses
2: yeah after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua son of Nun Moses's aid Moses my servant is dead now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates and all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go.
0: Thank you, Leah. So three times there, Joshua is commanded, be strong and courageous. And then also it was repeated a number of times in the passage that Judy read to us. Now, this term, strong and courageous, in the Hebrew language is literally saying, be strong and strong. Uh, It is Tautology, it is literally a double emphasis. It's a bit like saying frozen ice, or two o'clock in the afternoon, or at the top of the summit, it's that kind of thing. It's just double emphasis of this uh, important aspect that Joshua, (laughs) in his new job, needed to be strong and strong, or strong and courageous. So Why does God say this repeatedly? What is it significant or indicative of? Well, I've got a few things just to share with you that it seems to make sense to me. Number one, he has to be strong in his conviction. Just read to us from Leah in Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8. It says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this Book of Instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. (coughs) Joshua had to be strong in his conviction. In Deuteronomy 31, we read of what was called the Book of Instruction, which was Moses' legacy to the people of Israel. This is what we know of as the Torah. The first five books of the Bible, which were written by Moses, their narrative and the guidance that is found in these books would show the people of Israel how to live according to God's word so that they would know his blessing and prospering upon their lives. (coughs) What you believe determines what you do. So if you believe that cleaning your teeth will give you a healthy mouth you will have all cleaned your teeth this morning. If you don't believe that, you would have not bothered, probably. But all of us, whatever we believe, we put into practice and we do it. And Joshua had this big assignment, but unless he believed totally in the word of God, that the word of God would guide him in this new job, then he would soon become a failure and his leadership would be over. Being a Christian is all about following the way of Jesus. It's about following his will, following his way, following his word. And unless we are Bible-based people, Bible-believing people, and Bible-behaving people, we will not be good representatives of Jesus to our society. This is why the Apostle Paul, he he wrote from prison and he says, I urge you as a prisoner, live a life that measures up to the standard God set when he called you. Always be humble and gentle, patient. Show your love by being tolerant with each other. Do your best to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace by the grace that God gives to bind you together. You see, unless we know the Bible, we will not be able to live a life that measures up to the standard God set. Now, I am pretty confident that all of you who drive motor cars drive according to the highway code. Am I right in saying that? I don't believe there's anybody reckless or foolish here. You drive according to the highway code because you know the highway code. Now, you might not know it all chapter and verse, but you've got a pretty good understanding of what that gives you in terms of guidance as to how you should drive sensibly on the road. You drive according to the highway code. We need to live according to the Bible. Now, we're living in a society that undermines God's truth, We're living in a society that wants to kind of dilute God's truth. But we need to be people who, like Joshua, have that conviction that the word of God is the right way to live my life according to God's word and to practice what it says. This is what Paul said in uh, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What a great statement. If we live our lives according to biblical truth, we will not go wrong. It will guide us at every step It will inform us in every decision. It will give us wisdom to evaluate every proposition that we face in life. That is the power of the word of God. And we need to be people who are strong in our convictions, strong that the Bible is the right way, strong that the Bible is the truth, strong that the word of God is just as relevant today as it was when it was written thousands of years ago. Paul also says, concentrate on winning God's approval, on being a workman or a workwoman with nothing to be ashamed of, and who knows how to use the word of truth to the best advantage. The original president of the United States of America was George Washington, and he said this, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. Oh, that our politicians believed in that statement today, because God's truth leads us in the right way, and his truth always brings freedom. In 1555, two bishops, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, were burned at the stake in Oxford for their belief in the truth of God's word. They were men who were strong and courageous, staying true to their convictions that the word of God alone was the way, the truth, and the way to find life. And this is what they said as the flames burned up. Latimer called to his fellow Bishop Ridley. He said this, be of good comfort, Master Ridley. Play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England that I trust will never be put out. That was prophetic and it's true. 500 years later, the truth of the gospel of Jesus still burns in this nation. And you and I need to be people who live it out so that it will burn brighter in the society that we find ourselves in that desperately needs healing by God's grace. So Joshua is told to be strong and courageous, first of all, to be strong in his conviction that God's word was the right way to go. But also we need to be strong in conflict. Because again in Joshua 1 verse six, it says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead the people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Going into warfare certainly needs great courage and strength, especially in the hand to hand combat, which was so prevalent in Bible times. There's a verse in Psalms where it talks about the men of Ephraim who ran away in the heat of the battle. They were cowards, if you like. We too, you know, are in a battle. We are called to wage spiritual warfare. Paul says, overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus Christ. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he might fully satisfy the one who chose him. Paul also reminds us in Ephesians, he said, we're not fighting against human beings, but against wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, rulers, authorities against cosmic powers of this dark age. So the Bible makes it very, very clear that as a Christian, we're in a battle. Paul uses that analogy that as Christians, we're like soldiers. We're facing a spiritual enemy that is very real and that is constantly seeking to bring evil and destruction into the world in which we live. Winston Churchill in... In 1941, the 29th of October, he gave a speech to the boys of Harrow School. (coughs) This was the time (coughs) when World War had broken out. And this is what he said, never give in, never give in, never, never, (coughs) never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to convictions of honor and good sense never yield to force, never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. That was one of his kind of warfare speeches, but he was an inspiration. He was a great encouragement in that time of war to our nation, to our soldiers, and to everybody in the whole war effort that went on for those years around that time. And we have to be strong in the spiritual battles that we face. Often we're completely unaware of the forces of Satan. He is subtle. He comes at us at times when we're not expecting him. He comes in all different forms and guises. He accuses us. He seeks to depress us and discourage us. And in all manner of ways, we are in a battle because we have chosen to follow The Lord Jesus Christ. Most wars are about claiming territory. And God promised Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Now, Jesus told us in the Gospel of John that the the enemy, Satan, comes to rob, steal, and destroy. We are therefore commissioned to take back What he has stolen. Our mission through prayer, through witness, through acts of kindness is to bring people to Jesus so that Jesus can rescue them from Satan's kingdom of darkness. So we have to be strong and courageous. We aren't to be weak and wimpish as Christians, but we need to stand up for what we believe. We need to live out what we believe. We need to speak with courage about the truth of what we believe because we are in a battle. It will never be easy. If you're expecting a day to come when being a Christian will be all wonderful and easy, well, you've got another thing coming. Satan will never back off. He will never give up. He will constantly oppose all that we seek to do in living for him. That's why we have to be strong in conflict because we are in a spiritual battle. For those who don't know Jesus, God calls us to seek to wage a spiritual warfare to see people come to know him through the message of the cross. Remember our verse for the year? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, self-discipline and love. Why? So we must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. We have to be bold and courageous in the conflict that we face. One last thing as to why I think God told Joshua to be strong and courageous. Not only in his convictions, not only in the conflict, but also in confidence. Strong and courageous in confidence. This is what it says in verse 9 of Joshua 1. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Imagine that tomorrow morning, this is not a very good imagination, but you're going into hospital and you're you're going to have an operation. The anaesthetist comes around and just checks that your breathing is all okay. Then the surgeon comes around and says to you, well, I've never done this operation before, but I'll do my best. Hopefully it'll work out all right. Or maybe tomorrow you're going on holiday to Portugal and you're on the plane. And the pilot comes on and says, welcome to this flight. I've never flown before, but I'll do my best to get you to Lisbon. How would you feel? (coughs) You would think these guys haven't got any confidence at all. (coughs) I'm gonna cancel the operation or I'm gonna get off this flight as quickly as possible. You see, confidence is critical when it comes to many things in life, particularly surgery and going on an airplane. Whatever challenges you face in life, whatever challenges you are facing right now, whatever challenges you might face in the coming week, you can be confident because Jesus says, I will be with you. And Joshua could have confidence, whatever battle he faced, no matter how difficult it was, God says, I'm going to be with you, Joshua. I'll be right there. I will enable you to gain victory. I will strengthen you. I will be there for you. I will never leave you or desert you. What an encouragement. You and I can have confidence to face every single day because we know that we don't face it on our own. Jesus says, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. What a great assurance that brings to our daily lives. So whatever the battle might be, however tough light might be at times, however discouraging and difficult, and Joshua had his di- discouraging times. He had a great victory when they took the city of Jericho, but he had a massive discouragement when they went and took this tiny little place called Ai. But God never forsook <clears throat> him. God was always with him, and he had the confidence to continue to fulfill the mission that God had called him to. Janice is just gonna read us a scripture from um, the Message Bible in Romans 8. Listen to these words that just remind us of the fact that whatever we face in life, God is there.
1: Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred or hunger or homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, for as it is written in scripture, they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks, they pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, nothing angelic or demonic, Today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us.
0: Thank you. So we can be confident. And just a reminder from (coughs) the reasons why Joshua was told to be strong and courageous. First of all, in his convictions, you and I need to be rooted in the word of God. That's why it's a healthy habit to read the scriptures every day. You are, by repetition, feeding on the word of God, and it will be sown and reinforced into your thinking and into your heart. And then we need to be strong in conflict. We need to be people who are taking back from the enemy what he has stolen and seeing people come to find the love and forgiveness that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then we can also be strong in confidence, assured that God is with us, no matter what we face. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 16, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be
1: courageous, be strong, and do everything with love.